Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome back to the podcast it's been a couple of weeks huh did you miss me did you miss me are you hungry for some creative director confessions i hope so uh thanks again everybody for listening i hope uh you are spreading the message of confessions of a creative director to all your creative friends remember this show is for everybody not just creative directors but, you know, people that want to be creative directors, used to be creative directors, are designers, whatever it is, if you've got a creative bone in your body, this show is for you. So thanks for checking it out. Write a re- review for me. That will help um, with the ratings and help to uh, move it up a little bit. Uh, but really, just thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm having a, a lot of fun producing these, and I hope you guys are getting a little something out of it. Um how was your 4th of July weekend? can't believe that it's already July that we're into and we're still um, pretty much locked down. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, the good news is for those um, of us who are lucky enough to continue to be employed is it's really a great time to dig into some new skills, to uh, dig into some new creative outlets um, and, and really just kind of fine-tune your chops during this time. So for me, it's been doing this podcast and also continuing with my uh, song club efforts. We're up to the 12th week. We just uh, submitted the, the 12th song. So, um, you know, parts of me are sort of enjoying this, but um, hopefully everybody is staying safe and healthy and wearing a mask. Wear the mask, people. So... Uh, Before we get into our show today, I just wanted to share something uh, funny. As many of you know that have worked with me, uh, a couple years ago, I just adopted this thing where I just decided I'm going to wear a black t-shirt to school, to school, (laughs) to work every day. Uh, And I just kind of said, you know, I just want to make things simple. I like the way I look in a black v-neck t-shirt. I'm doing it. Jeans, Chuck Taylors, let's go. Um, so I, ever since then, I've been on the quest for the world's best black t-shirt. And I think I may have found it. It's a company called three fit theory. You can find them at, uh, the number three fit theory.com. They're not paying me for this. I did tell them that I was going to include them in my podcast. Maybe I'll get them as a sponsor, but what's really cool is that they send you three shirts. They, in the, in, in the same size, but with different cuts, different fits. And then you select the one that fits you the best. You send the other two back, and then now you know what your fit is. I got to tell you, these t-shirts are really well-made, and they just fit great. I am a, I, 
I eight, I believe is my fit. Um, and I, and I really just love it. I just love the whole process. The packaging was really cool. The experience was great, great customer service. Um, so if you're like me, like to wear black t-shirt or, or any other color, they have a bunch of colors, check them out at, uh, threefittheory.com. All right. So let's get into it. So today I'm talking to Mike Matthews, who is a creative director at a shop in El Paso, Texas called Culture Span. Used to be called The Laster Group. That's where I got my start back in 1996, I think I determined. Uh, it's owned and run by a woman named Nancy Laster, who is just a wonderful person. I talk a, l- a little bit about her and what she means to me at the beginning of the show. I started to get a little bit uh, choked up because she's just uh, really awesome. But this is a regional, a small regional agency, not that small, really. They're about the same size as we are. Um, but what's crazy to think about here is, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the quote unquote big, big boys and the big agencies, but there are thousands of agencies across the country that are doing incredible work for local and regional, uh, clients. They're innovative, they're super creative, they're hungry, they're passionate. And this is one of those agencies. I go to their website, I go to their socials all the time and just just marvel at the stuff they're doing, steal some things from time to time. I, I confess it, so it's not a big deal, but uh, just steal some things that they're doing. They're super creative and they're just out there. And I just thought I want to have Mike on the show because uh, I want to I learn a little bit about the secret sauce that they have. So without further ado, let's get into it with Mike Matthews. All right. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, it's good to meet you, man. Good to see you. Finally, we we spoke uh, previously, but it's uh, nice to put a face to uh, the name. What's going on? How are you? Uh, how are you holding up there in El Paso? Um, you know, as good as we can. You know, you gotta you watch the news and just try not to get too hyper focused on it. Just focusing on work, uh, sticking to the game plan, trying to do the best I can from my remote location, and getting used to this work from home. Uh, I like wearing shorts every day, though, so that's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, a <laughs> pants optional every day, which which I I definitely like that. <laughs> Although I try not to, uh, you know, you always have to be careful when you're uh, doing the Zoom or the yeah. team oh, or yeah. whatever. And it's like, whoa, God, <laughs> wearing shorts down there. So, um, but anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, to join the podcast. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, first, first, you know very important stuff here, but I want to know what you're drinking. Cause as you know, on uh, confessions of a creative director, we always have to have a cocktail. So tell us a little bit about what you are enjoying. What frosty beverage are you enjoying? So sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm trying to tap into my inner ad man. Um, I got myself actually a martini here, but the way that I like to do them is just like extra filthy, filthy, filthy. So uh, as much olive juice as probably any one man can stand a bunch of olives you can see in here, but uh, yeah. A little something to take the edge off. It's four o'clock here, so I'm happy to be starting a little bit early. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. So you went, you went classic. You went Don Draper on me. I like I went it. Classic, man. I went, I went classic. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm, I go classic too, but I, this is my classic signature drink, which is a silver tequila and soda with a little bit of lime. Some Topo Chico and some Topo Chico. Yeah, that's right. I did use Topo. Sometimes I use regular club soda, but whenever I I'm able to find it. It's hard to find out here, but whenever yeah. I'm able to find it, I put that in there. So, salud. Salud. Thanks, man. For, thanks for joining the podcast. Chin, chin, clink. Yep. Virtual clink. 
So, um, so I, as I mentioned to the listeners in the intro, you work for an agency in El Paso, Texas called mm-hmm. Culture Span, mm-hmm. which used to be the Lasser Group. And I, right. I'll tell a little bit of my history. The Lasser Group was where I got my start back in the day. I think I started working there in like 1996. And um, Nancy Laster, who's the um, the owner and is her is is what's her title CEO president yeah yeah CEO president yeah queen of all advertising in El Paso yeah yes she is an amazing woman I love her to death she gave me my my first uh, shot at working in an agency and always just took uh, good care of me and uh, I remember vividly when I told her that um, that I was coming to LA. Uh, I think on my last day, she came in and slipped me a little envelope with some extra cash. And she said, I just oh, wow. want you to start off on a on a good foot. And I always um, remember that and all her generosity throughout the year. She was she's an awesome person, just an awesome boss. So, Nancy, if you're listening, love you. Thank you. Thanks for everything. But tell us a little bit about Culture Span because it's shifted uh, throughout the years. Um, you guys are are the top shop, if not one of the top shops in the in the area. So tell us a little bit about Culture Span. Yeah, so uh, Culture Span actually this year we will be celebrating our 40th anniversary in operation in some form, some form or function. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, was it actually began as Laster Miller in the late 80s, uh, you know, and then uh, Laster Siegel and the Laster Group for many many years, and uh, we kind of went through. It, it was interesting. We went through. Uh, an evolution, I guess, of sorts, but it really wasn't uh, changing anything fundamentally, but really just embracing something that we had always done really well, but maybe just didn't make our kind of like focal point, right? So about five, six years ago, we were the Lester Group. We rebranded as Culture Span. And, you know, in any kind of rebrand, you want to make sure that there's a focus, right? So we just dedicated ourselves to helping our, uh, you know, our community and our clients reach a, a greater share of the, of the growing Hispanic market. And when I say it's something that we had always done, you know, you know, in, in El Paso, it's, you know, we're majority Hispanic. You know, everybody, everybody knows somebody who speaks Spanish. I myself grew up, you know, my, my dad's uh, Anglo, my mom's Hispanic. So I grew up in a, in a dual culture household. And um, just recognizing that here in the community and being able to find a way to take that out to, you know, to the region and, you know, in some cases do it nationally is just take this idea that we're bridging the gap between, you know, traditional market and multicultural markets and and finding that sweet spot in there where we can we can make messages resonate, you know, no matter who we're talking to and what language you're in. And uh, and that's where the name culture span comes from. We're really just like we're spanning that gap. We're bridging a connection point for multicultural advertising and beyond. And we do that through um, our transcreation process. There's nothing that we like less than uh you know, letting something get lost in translation, for, forgive the pun, you know, but uh, yep. it's it's important, man. It's important to be able to connect with people. And I, and I think that's so much of like what we try to do as advertisers and creatives. It's about creating a connection. But if we literally can't make that connection with language because we're being lazy or we're using, you know, simple AI translations, you know, transcreation is putting the heart and the soul back into translation and, and, and communicating with people at a real culturally acute and nuanced level. So that's that's my elevator pitch, man. 
for the people that are listening, um, obviously I know it because I grew up in El Paso, but it's a very unique community. You're right yeah, on the border with Mexico. Really, it's thought of as almost one big city, right, between Juarez and, and El Paso. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the intricacies and the and the nuance that that brings to your work. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? We're sister cities. Um, you know, it's, you know, we have two states and two countries that are quite literally a stone's throw. I mean, you know, it's people don't really understand, like, how, how close of a community we are. You know, you hear things on the news and you see all kinds of stuff. You know, I think people have a big misconception about what this community is like, but it's filled with passion and color and vibrance and and so much creativity. And, and, and you know, you alluded to it. It's, it's a big border community. But more than that, it's like one of the largest border communities like in the world, man. So what, what happens here, we can see ripples of that happening across the country. You know, you see you see kind of really ri- rich, deep Hispanic populations popping up in places that you might you might not normally see it, you know. And uh, and that's what that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to identify those and, and reach out and help those communities have a voice and be messaged to and be reached in a way that's going to be beneficial to them. And, and, you know, teaching these potential clients like, you know, it's so it's OK to to take a step back and really, like, really evaluate what these messages are, and what you're really trying to communicate and who you're trying to communicate with. So, you know, what happens here, we like I say, we see ripple effects across the nation. So it's nice to be kind of like in this in this proving ground for like multicultural marketing, you know, because we live it every day. You know, we breathe it. Uh, you know, you can't go anywhere without seeing, you know, messages in dual languages. And, and, and I, for one, think that that's beautiful, you know, being able to to cater to people and speak to them in a language, in a way that, that they feel most connected with. And most importantly, most heard, you know, like nobody likes to be spoken at, you know, but if you have a conversation with me, you start a dialogue. That's where it's at. That's where connection happens, you know? Right. That's interesting. And it also brings up an interesting thought. uh, And I wonder how it comes into play with the work that you do is not only, let's say if you're doing a TV spot for one of your, your clients, taking that into consideration that it may be seen across the border, right? So what does that do for your process, your, you know, when you're thinking through an idea, does that come into the equation or are you thinking strictly about how do I reach the folks in El Paso? Or are you thinking about, hey, this might be seen in Juarez too. How do I adjust that to be inviting to them? Because lots of people come over the border every day from Juarez into El Paso to do shopping. It's not unreasonable to think that they're also seeing the advertising or hearing the message. So I'm just curious if that factors into your planning and your creative. Yeah, I mean, every every aspect of it. And that's a great question, because like in a lot of ways, we're we're international. You know what I mean? Like it may be you can see you can see what is, you know, from certain from many, many places in this city. And that's it, that's Mexico, man. That's Chihuahua State. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, our work is, is international and it, and it does play a big factor in it. And, you know, at pretty much every level, Culture Span is not only advertising, it's not only creative, but it's it's marketing strategy. And, you know, one of our old media directors said something like, you know, you know, without 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 strong media, it's like winking at someone in the dark. Every aspect of what we do takes those cultural like nuances into account, right? I mean, some things just don't land. And more importantly, dude, some things just don't translate. And we're okay with that. And it's about finding that that new lane for the messaging. So it definitely, it definitely factors in really heavily. I mean, it could be, you know, everything from art direction on a set, like what does this, what does this family dinner need to look like? Right. Maybe it's, it's a holiday. So what are we serving on the table? You know, what kind of decorations would be up in the background? I mean, it's the, the little details 
give you big results, you know, and it's, it's not just the language, but it's just this whole, this whole palette that we're able to work with, with the visuals and, you know, the music that we use, you know, I just, um, we're real careful, even with like, with the music, you know, we don't want to get something that's like patronizing or use something right. that's cheesy or, 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 or prototypical, you know, we're, we're looking for that new lane, right? Okay. Like what are people listening to? Uh, you know, what are people, what are, what are people really into? Right. I'm not going to take this like outsider perspective. I'm going to immerse myself in the culture and let that like be the story of the day. You know, you guys have, have definitely gotten or have been very good at that. I, I steal from you guys all the time. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, with, with my team, I'm always directing them to your social pages. Uh, Gabe Acuna, who works there with you guys, incredible guy who I've known throughout the years. Just, you know, uh, we never got a chance to work together, but uh, we've we've kind of struck up this friendship and, and we touch base from time to time. And I'm always telling him, man, you guys are killing it on your own um, promotional social pages. But what I also love is some of the, the spec work that you guys have done mm. for brands like Dunkin' Donuts. I saw some stuff on there for the Rams. I mm. saw uh, the thing you guys did where you um, uh, did the little hieroglyphics on the, on the beer bottles. Yeah. But, but getting back to the, the spec stuff, I love that. So, and I'll put a link to what I'm talking about on the, um, on, on the website so the listeners can hear it. But I'll just quickly explain what they've done is they'll go out to various brands like Dunkin' Donuts and 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 you can explain it probably better than I can, sure. but you basically are saying, hey, Dunkin' Donuts, if you really want to reach the Hispanic community, here's what it could look like. And you guys do a whole campaign. You did visuals, you did, here's what your packaging could look like. Mm -hmm. And I love that for a number of reasons. One is you're putting it out there, whether it leads to real work or not, who cares? You're putting it out there, you're showing your chops, you're providing value. And, and frankly, you're just having, it seems like you guys are having fun, but tell me a little bit about the thought process that goes into some of that spec work. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, it's, I think you, I think you prefaced it really well. I mean, we're in El Paso and I think sometimes even to people in Texas, you know, you get a, okay, where's that again? You know, we're the, the far left edge of Texas, you know, we don't, we don't get lo looped in with, you know, Dallas and Austin and San Antonio, but we have chops, man. So, you know, something that we always try to push to the team and, and, and you know, and I think that it, it, it's always in there, there's a little fire, right. To, to get noticed and to say like, Hey, let's, let's raise our voice. And sometimes we just take a swing and it's fun. And the Dunkin' Donuts was a perfect example of that. It just, and it always starts, you know, the way any great creative conversation does, like, you know, we're having a beer, we're just talking shop. And we said, wouldn't it be cool if, right. And then, so we said, okay, well, what if we take a, what if, and then we made it, we made it into something. And the Dunkin' Donuts project was a prime example. So we said, you know, what if we, what if we introduced our trans creation process to, you know, our community and people who follow us on social media, but like in a practical way, what does trans creation look like? Right. So we trans created uh, some treats from uh, Dunkin' Donuts. We transcreated the packaging. So what we did is we introduced kind of like some of our fun and favorite like little, you know, uh, we have a, a world famous bakery here. It's Bowie Bakery, man. And they do all sorts of good little pasteles and cookies and stuff like that. And so we took some of our favorite like kind of like Mexican influenced breakfast pastries 
And we said, let's let's give it a spin. Let's put those in the box. Let's let's introduce the world to some of our favorite flavors. And then so we kind of just did the styling on the box too, some like little cultural cues. Uh, we also included a game on the box where it was basically like a loteria game. And then for you know for your fans who maybe aren't familiar, it's basically you know like a Mexican bingo, but it's it's a fun little game. And we thought, oh cool, it, you know it makes the packaging interactive. We get to splash a little bit more culture in it. So we're hitting you with the look, you know, with the, you know a little bit of culture and with the taste because there's no better way to experience a culture than with the taste. So we did a we did a, a little photo shoot and we took a bunch of pictures of all of our pastries. We're so lucky because we have a you know this this uh, cooking wonder woman in her office by the name of Sarah Man and she whipped up some new treats for us, cooked everything fresh, did a little photo shoot, packaged it up, and you know you send it out and you 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 hope that you know it gets some likes and we we got a we got a really good response to it. We got a little write up in Design Taxi, so that was nice, man. It's wow. it's it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it got picked up. You know, of course we pushed it out. We did our own little PR and said like we want people to see this. You know, and it's it's just about kind of having like you said, it's about having fun and and taking a swing. And I think that's something that we just that really kind of like uh, stokes our the fires of our creative creativity is knowing that we can take a swing. You know, and, and that's what it's all about, man. Just taking a creative swing. So it's just a a fun and practical way to push push what we do best and and, and just show how you can put a really nice kind of like a a cultural touch on anything as long as you as long as you're paying attention and you're doing it with like positive intention too you know what i mean i look at your your socials and your website from time to time and i that's the takeaway is that it seems like you guys are are just having a lot of fun and you're creating and uh we'll, we'll come back to this but i think sometimes agencies forget to do that they forget the the fun mm. part they forget the creative part and it just becomes sort of a, a machine and you're just focused on creating whatever you need to do for work, but you're forgetting. And sometimes that gets, you know, sometimes let's be honest, it gets a little bit on autopilot and it just looks like you guys are always being creative. And and I, I assume that that has something to, to do with how you see your role as a creative director and what you bring to the table. So I, I asked this of all the folks on the show, what do you think the role of a creative director is like, what is your main goal? And I'm, I'm betting that you're going to say it's to inspire some fun thinking and, and allowing <laughs> people to have some fun just based on what I've seen. But tell us a little bit about what you think the role is. I've had people describe it as being a conductor at an orchestra. Mm -hmm. I've had other people talk about it more from what it means to the client. In your words, what does it mean to be a creative director? I've always kind of like told, told myself what it was, but like, you know, knowing that we were going to do this, I gave my time, myself some time to reflect and really, really think about it. And I think, you know, honestly, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I took a non-traditional path to becoming a creative director, but, you know, I started, I started as a writer, you know, as, as many creator, creative directors have. I started as a writer and then I became a, a producer. And then after I was a producer, I became a director. And it was something that I learned as a producer that I carry to this day as a creative director. And I feel like as a creative director, you are a, uh, a, a procurer and a propagator and a proliferator of talent. You know, you got to see it in people and you, you got to help stoke it and you got to push them. You really got to push people. And then you got to kind of get out of their way. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I think it really comes to life in a lot of the work that we do because we have a lot of talent matched with personality. And when you put those together, they, they really come through. So, you know, it's for me as a, as a creative director, it's, you know, it's, it's a curator of talent, you know, there are so many things that my team does that, that I don't want to say I could never do, but they just do it so well now. So I say, 
let's just let's prime you let's 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 pump you up and let's let you do what you want to do because you know your boy mike is going to sell it whatever it is i'm going to sell it i'm going to get out there i'm behind you 100 percent. i don't think we're afraid to take creative risks and um that's what it's all about man because no risk no reward right so yeah just yeah. it's a propagator a proliferator and a procurer of talent you also got to be a good editor too i will say that <laughs> yeah editing is important but so it's funny because i sometimes i describe the show as a little bit of of it's part therapy <laughs> for me for me mm-hmm. mostly uh, mm-hmm. maybe for the guests too i don't know but how do you how do you get out of the way how do you avoid the temptation of wanting to go in there and be big man on campus and, and be the Don Draper, right? I always use that. I, I wrote this piece on LinkedIn about the lie of the big aha moment, right? In in shows like a Mad Men or in other shows, right? They always show this this moment in a in a pitch where the guy calls an audible and he gets up and delivers this really mm-hmm. elegant speech and then everybody like turns and starts you know doing the slow clap and it's like, that's that's it you got it and they sign the contract right there and then and that that never happens right but that's the ideal of what people think so how do you avoid wanting to get in there and and mess with that and 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 be more involved than you need to that's a really good question and i'll be as honest as i can uh i'm i'm working on that <laughs> I'm working on that. I think, um, you know, something that's really helped is that I think, you know, depart- departmentally, you know, coming out of the the studio where I was the producer and then ultimately the director, it pretty much is what I say goes in that capacity because you, you need to be that role. You know, the director needs to be guiding the ship and, and, and helping to call the shots and keeping things on track. And I thought it would be a natural translation to creative director, but it's really not, man. It's just, a, it's a lot of listening. You know, if my team hears this, I want to do that. I want to give them all credit. They're, they're so good and they're so strong that I think what I try to do now and, and train myself to do is just provide creative parameters, right? Cause I'm walking in there with, with a goal, right? I have an objective. We have, we have marketing objectives. We have messaging objectives. Sometimes we have creative objectives, but it's just giving them parameters to be able to do their best work. And we're going to work on it together. It's never a set it and forget it type of a thing. I like it to be collaborative. I like to be involved, hopefully not to a fault, but I'm, I'm the type of guy who's like, let's just start sketching. Let's get some sketches going. Let's throw some ideas around. What do you think? Pull everybody in that needs to be in there. You know, I, I get in trouble for having like these meetings with with the, with the, with the full team, but it's just like, look, if we start on the pa- same page, we're going to end on the same page. So it's, it, it's, it's just a lot of listening, you know, it's, it's a lot of listening and, and you, you know, when somebody has the ball and when they're running with it, you just kind of <laughs> use a, a cheesy, like football analogy. You just like run defense for them. You know what I mean? You help, you help kind of get all the distractions and the encumbrances out of the way. And then when it's time to shine, you know, they're going to score big and, and and they always do. I mean, my team always does me proud and it's, it's a matter of just kind of like listening, guiding, but equally kind of just stepping back. I don't have to be the one with the, with the big idea all the time. <laughs> and that's what the reason why I asked that question, because I, you know, I've, I've struggled with it as well, because that's just kind of the natural instinct because we're also creators ourselves, right? We want to continue to be creative and, and show our chops. But what happens is, um, you know, my experience is that it's, it's what they call the anchor effect, right? Right. If I, if I'm in a meeting with everybody and I say something, typically people will start to latch onto it. And maybe it's a decent idea, 
but everybody start latches onto it. And then you start riffing on that idea and you start going, and then you potentially missed out on another idea because everybody la- latched into the idea that the, that the boss mm-hmm. threw out. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's kind of a dangerous thing. So, you well, know, but sometimes, sometimes you also have to do that because everybody is super busy on doing the actual day-to-day work that needs to get done. And, you know, you need to create ideas and sometimes you do have to get in there, but it is a, it is a little bit tricky sometimes. Yeah. I mean, something that I've tried to do and, and, and you know, the reason I said I'm working on it is because, you know, I've had these kind of end of the day or maybe over a couple beer conversations with my creative team. And I'm like, how do you guys feel this is going? Let's, let's reflect on this project, right? How did it go? Did we do what we wanted to do? Did we push it? And then we start getting into these deeper conversations where I ask, do you feel like I'm uh, <laughs> cannibalizing the creative time. And it was important for me to ask something like that because they kept it real with me. They were like, look, we just know that, that when we're going to do something you have, they literally said you have us spoiled because you come in and you know what you want to do. And at that point, it's just kind of like delineating tasks and seeing who's best for what piece of it. Oh, uh, you're going to be on the, you know, the logo development. Uh, Oh, you're going to be over here on the creative. And I, I have my little teams that I put together, but that really stuck with me. Like you have us spoiled. So I was like, Okay. All right. It's time to kind of like reevaluate my approach. Right. So now what I try to do is like I said, like, like you mentioned, you know, I, I can totally appreciate that anchor effect, but what I try to do is make sure that when I come to our first meeting, I got something on the table. And it's like you said, we start to riff, you know, we start to have some ideas, we chop it up, but then we I, basically what I try to do is pause it right there. I said, okay, let's break. We got one. I good. We got one good idea in the can. You know what we're trying to do? I will task out. All right. I want, you know, a couple concepts from you. It doesn't have, it can be anything. Let's free associate. Come from left field. Here's some, here's something that you can contrast against. You know what I mean? So then I'll give us something to kind of spitball to get the ball rolling because you know, it's the last thing you want to do is be in that creative meeting and we're, we're tapping our fingers on the table and it's like, where do we start? Right. So I guess I try to serve as a little bit of a primer and I say, let's step away. And then we come back and then, you know, that, that table is uh, that table is fair game. Anybody's idea is welcome. And I, and I do, I do appreciate it, man, because I, I think it kind of helps. I don't want to say like inspire, but at least it gets the ball rolling and they know what kind of an arena we can play in and what kind of ideas really we can be open to. And um, I'll listen to any idea. I'll listen to any idea because it's sometimes it's the ones that come from out of left field that, that work the best, you know? So it's, yeah. it's a work in progress, man, but it's just like, you know, it's something that I, I try to, I try to incorporate into my everyday. What are some of the other toolkits in your creative process? Do you have any other go-to games that you like to play any other methods or just things that you'd like to do sort of signature Mike Matthews patented creative (laughs) techniques. When I became creative director, I was terrified that I would have to create this playbook, you know, of say like, okay, we're going to, you know, pull out exercise 37. And, uh, you know, I experimented with all sorts of different things, but like for me personally, and and I try to kind of share this with the team is it's, I try to just simplify it as much as possible. So it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's patent pending, but it, it seems, it seems obvious when I say it out loud, but it's basically like, um, it's, you know, two or three steps, right? What is our need, right? Who are we talking to? What is the need? What are we trying to communicate, right? What problem are we trying to solve? And I try to put it in our simplest terms, right? What problem am I trying to solve? What are the pain points of that problem for the customer? You know, whoever's going to see this, whoever's going to be affected by it, what are their pain points and how can we start to address those pain points? And then I really just try to find this like universal truth. What is something that we can all relate to about this problem, about the pain that it represents 
and about how we can solve it. Like, what is that universal place? What can we tap into? And then I feel like once we have those kind of three three things down or we're, or we're talking about them and we're exploring them, then after that, it's just like, okay, well, what way do we want to address this? Is this something that can be done, you know, with a more of a humorous take? Or is this something that, that needs some emotion and some sentiment behind it? So I just, I just try to boil it down. You know, that's, that's what I've always done for myself. Because if I can, you know, keep it simple, you know, I think the rest will kind of start to fill in the blank. So it's just, you try to get that, you know, that core line of thinking and you make it as simple as possible. That way you kind of cut down on the clutter of trying to think of the most innovative and different way to do it. Sometimes simple is better and you can always just build on that. So that's, that's my personal approach that. And then a lot of, uh, a lot of running, <laughs> just put the body, put the machine into motion, you know, let it, let it do what it needs to do. And then the mind will kind of take over and, and fill in the blanks for me. At least that's, that's how I've always found it. You know, if I ever feel like I'm hitting a creative wall, just slap on the slap on the runners and, and hit the road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you mean that literally, you really, literally. you really do. Okay. Literally. Yeah. I'll put my, I'll put my body in physical motion and then kind of like it allows the mind to wander. And there's, there's been so many times when I come back like sweaty and out of breath, but I got that tagline or like, I got that hook, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a video of a guy. I, I know I liked it. So maybe I might be able to find it on LinkedIn, but the guy just, when he gets stuck, he's a designer, but when he gets stuck, he literally puts on a particular song. I can't remember. It's some song that you would never attribute it. This guy's kind of a, um, sort of a big, big dude with a beard and stuff, gnarly. <laughs> but it's like a pop song, and he just runs around. And he videotaped it. He kind of showed it off, and it was just hilarious. And he said it it works for me. And I think I commented like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that out." Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people talk about you know Steve Jobs talked about going on these walks or or just kind of introducing some physicality into the experience. So that's that's pretty interesting. Tell me what you think about, we talked a little bit about this on our, on our pre-call, but tell me what you think about sort of the role of regional agencies, local agencies, because like I said, I'm looking at your all stuff all the time and, and figuring out what I can steal and what, you know, <laughs> what's interesting. And I, and I get a lot of inspiration from you guys, uh, from what you guys are doing, but what do you think the overlooked aspect is or what people don't recognize about you know, smaller regional agencies. And actually you guys aren't that small. I mean, we're, we're about the same size as, as you guys. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, what do you think about that? Because I know that w the, the time that I spent there, I learned a whole lot stuff that I still use today because you, you kind of have to, and because you get a chance to work yeah. on a lot of different things. Yeah. But what do you think is the overlooked aspect of, of working for a regional agency like that? The overlooked aspect of working for a regional agency, I, I would say, honestly, I would say probably just like, you know, access, touch points, the level to which you can be involved in a project. There's, uh, you know, and, and I can't speak from experience, but uh, from the experience of maybe being at a, at a larger agency, you know, in a, in, a, in a bigger in a bigger market. But um, I have had so much access to 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 everything, you know what I mean, from either you know, face-to-face -face meetings with CEOs, you know, being able to, to speak to everyone from the top, uh, working on every aspect of a project, just how many touch points you're, you're able to have. And, you know, I don't know if that becomes gated, you know, if it's at a larger scale, but it's just being able to be involved in every aspect of a project, jumping around, learning about so many different roles. I mean, becoming a, becoming creative director was kind of just this like penultimate goal that I had that, uh, you know, I said by, by a certain age, I will reach this goal. Uh, but, 
it's crazy how much I was able to do before that became a reality when I thought that becoming a creative director would give me the, that access. But now it's, it's, uh, you know, I got to, I got to hit every little touch point. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. It's just like being able to, to have an impact and to be able to touch so many different aspects of a, of a project. And, and, you know, another, another interesting thing is, um, just being able to do more, I don't want to say with less, but sometimes a, a little bit more limited. My, my budgets aren't enormous. You know what I mean? So right. it forces you to be, it forces you to be resourceful and it forces you to be, you know, obviously creative, but it forces you to try hard, you know, like you work your ass off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so much of it is in, is in your hands to make, to make this thing, this idea, this concept, this approach, this spot, you know, this creative that your community hasn't seen before to make that happen. Um, because you know, you're, you're doing more with this with a little bit less. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and we talked about this as well. I mean, you'd be surprised because you know, the budgets across the board, I think have, have come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, and I think brands are wanting to do more with less. So I think it's all the same thing. Sometimes the scale is just a little bit different, but I think it's all pretty relative. I think you're right. I think you probably do get more access. You probably get to more of the decision makers um, more readily and probably have more input from them. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, and I do remember that a little bit from my experience there as well. Um, so we're going to take a little break, but before we do... It's time for the two-minute hot takes. So I shared these topics with Mike. Uh, So basically, I'm going to give you a couple of choices here. And you got to very quickly, within two minutes, I'm going to set a timer. You have to give me your choice uh, between the two. You'll see what I mean here in a second. Um, And and give me a short reason why you chose it. So I, I put in a couple of uh, the the last one, uh, you know, could put your your El Paso creds on the line. So I want you to get prepared for that. I'm really interested in the answer too. All right. Uh, so no no pressure, but here we go. We're going to start the uh, start the clock here, and okay, we're going. All right, pre production or post production? Uh, pre production, man. The devil's in the details. Uh, coming from a coming from a producer background, director background. If everything's in line, everything will stay in line. Okay, I like it. Uber or Lyft? Lyft, and here's why. I've 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 taken both. I've tried both, and I leave it up to the drivers, man. I'm going to take their recommendation over anyone, and it's clearly Lyft. It's Lyft. All right, interesting. Netflix or Hulu? In terms of, I was kind of thinking about it in terms of like their original content, but you can think about it. Okay, in any original way. content. Original content. Um, I say Netflix, man. They're they're dumping so much money into original content. They're giving people a shot to get their stories told, and uh, I I love that. I, I just love that the, the patronage that's there. Uh, Netflix. All right, cool. Uh, pen and paper or laptop. Pen and paper all the time. I'm a I'm a doodler, man. So you know, yeah, I wish I could show you some of my little uh, my little work pads. They're just full of doodles and, and ideas. Pen and paper all the way. T-shirt or button down? Oh man, uh, button down. <laughs> button down. <laughs> you, can't see, right. you can't see what I'm wearing, but it's it's a button down. The, the funkier, the better. I like it. All right, music or visual special effects? 
Um, music, dude. Uh, you're a musician. Uh, you know, for the listeners, I'm a musician. It's sound design, music. That That is the people. It's so underrated, but that is the missing component. That's the magic to me. I agree. I love it. Okay. Work from home or office? Uh, three months ago, I would have said work from home, uh, but the office, man. I, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a collaborative guy. You know, Zoom and Teams only go so far. I need to see my people. Uh, it's all about kind of the, the, the action and the excitement that you get in the room, that goosebump feel when you're working with your team. All right, cool. Uh, I saw that you're a, a music uh, festival fan. So Coachella or Bump? Oh, you didn't. You, uh, no, it's all right. You, you could have <laughs> won, won $20,000. Did I mention that? Oh, yeah, man. I, I forgot that. So you're a music festival person. So Coachella yeah. or Bumbershoot? Ooh, man. I'm going to say Bumbershoot. I'm going to say okay. Bumbershoot. Yeah, I'm going to say Bumbershoot. All right. Okay, we're getting into this is this is this is one that's very important to me uh personally, but Fender or Gibson, you're a guitar player. Fender or Gibson? Ooh. Um I'm gonna go Gibson. I'm an Ibanez okay. guy myself, but I'm going Gibson. All right, you could have said Ibanez, all right. That's that's yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm more of a Fender guy, but all my rigs, all, all my all my weapons are uh, are Ibanez. Bass, guitar, acoustic, all of them. All right, all right. I'm more of a Fender guy. I just recently got my first um my first Gibson, so I'm excited about that. Okay, here it is. Here's the big <laughs> question. El Paso, you've 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 uh you've gone out for some beers, some cocktails with some friends. It's getting late. It's time to have a little, little late night a late, little late night grub. I already know. Chico's tacos or Whataburger or something else, but between those two, let's start there. Between those two, what's your first pick? Between the two, between the two, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to go Whataburger. I'm going Whataburger. All right. You're not a Chico Stacos fan, huh? Here's the deal. All right. This is a, yeah, this is a charged conversation. <laughs> charged conversation, man. You really, really want me to do this? <laughs> For anybody that's listening that's from El Paso, uh, you would understand why this is such a heated conversation. Chico Sacos is this like a, it's, it's a polarizing thing. Yeah. yeah, it kind of is. It's, it's kind of polarizing, but okay. So go ahead. It's, I don't want, uh, I don't want to, am I putting you any kind of mortal danger? Like maybe, people man. come after you? Maybe, right. maybe, maybe, uh, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is. I, uh, I was raised on it. You know, I, uh, I, I was raised on it. We had it all the time and maybe I just overdid it. You know what? I need to go back and I need to, I need to give it another try, but like, but if it's late night for me, you know, honestly, the new, the new flavor. And I feel like is a Cometa. It's like a flautas yeah. place. It's some, some good food. If you're back in town, let me know. I'm going to take you to get some Cometa. But for me, it's Cometa. There's never a shortage of uh, Instagram videos you can capture from the Cometa as well, too. Late night shenanigans in El Paso. Really? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. I'll have to try that next time. But you know what? I love the Whataburger as well. And, and, um, just between, uh, you know, you and I, and actually, I think Gabe, I also told Gabe, I have uncovered, I have unlocked the recipe for Chico Stacos sauce. Um, I actually gave oh, him, I don't, know if, I don't know if he's tried it. It's pretty legit. So now I kind of make it when I want. And I yeah. usually make it more like a soup kind of thing. Um, yeah. so I kind of have it when I want. So now when I go to El Paso, I'm usually trying other things. Cause I, yeah. I and how does it, how does it compare? Cause that's alchemy, man. You're making your own uh, Chico Stacos. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'll send you the secret recipe, but it's so ridiculously simple. 
And um, I don't know. You'll ask. You'll have to ask Gabe if he tried it and what he thought about it. Because he posted something, some cockamamie recipe that somebody posted, and it's like, <laughs> had like North Suiza yeah. in it. Or I'm like, there's no North Suiza in there. Come no, on. no, 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 no. It's just a uh, real couple, so, couple, uh, day, couple day old tomatoes and the right blends of herbs and spices. Yeah. You're, pretty, you're you're pretty close, but I want to divulge it because I may get sued by those folks. But anyway, so we're gonna take a short little break, and we'll be back with more of Mike Matthews. Hey, it's Jaime. If you're a brand, product, or service looking to reach creators, creative people, creative directors, designers, etc., hey, I know a guy who's got a podcast that's geared towards those folks. So if you'd like to be a sponsor on the show, go to cdconfessions.com and drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. All right, and we're back with more with my special guest, Mike Matthews, creative director of Culture Span uh, in El Paso, Texas. So I'm curious to know where do you where do you draw inspiration from? Um, are you reading any books or any podcasts or documentaries or how, where do you go to to get sort of your inspiration for your work? You know, it, it really it, it's it's really odd, man. I don't really have like a you know, this kind of like perfect source for inspiration. I try, I try to stay, I try to stay aware. I try to stay attuned. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I dig through a lot of creative. I read a lot of blogs, uh, you know what I mean? Um, listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of movies, but it's weird, man. I, I tried to put my finger on this earlier and I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't have this like perfect resource. I just, just try to just try to keep myself exposed to interesting things that I find interesting. You know, I listen, I've been listening to, uh, you know, I got a lot of free time in quarantine now. I've been listening to, uh, to a lot of podcasts, a lot of comedian podcasts. And, and what I've been doing is not, you know, I'm kind of like digging into this, like, uh, this wealth of comedy. And I, I love when they break it down and they talk about the art, you know, to some extent, the science of comedy, what makes things funny? How do we relate to each other on this crazy level? To me, it's like this modern day philosophy. So I've been kind of letting myself get lost in that kind of, this kind of like deconstruction of, um, of language and, you know, how we communicate with each other. There's a finite number of words. Will we ever have like, you know, will we ever hit, hit, hit a critical mass where there's nothing new to say or no new combination? I doubt it, but you know, that's what I've been letting myself get lost in just like a lot of a lot of comedy i think it's modern day philosophy man and it just it's it, it it helps me create neural pathways and think of different ways to combine you know this phrase and this idea and that's 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 where i've been spending a lot of my time creatively and just recharging the batteries <laughs> that's that's interesting and and that's probably what i miss about working for an agency like culture span we we really don't get to do um, at Advantage, we mostly do experiential big events and stuff. We do some content, but we're not making spots, commercial spots. Mm. And I do miss that part of it. Does does that study of what makes things funny or interesting or whatever factor into your TV production work? I imagine it does, right? If you're if you're planning a thirty second spot, it's like you have thirty seconds to tell your story. I got to imagine that you're probably whether you know it or not, utilizing some of that stuff in, in the, the TV work, especially, or the radio work too. Cause I'm, I'm sure yeah. you guys still do radio, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It is. It's, it's that, it's that careful, 
careful concoctions of words and phrases. Uh, you know, I love the challenge of the 30 second format. I still love it. You know, I pour over it and I obsess over it, but it, it's really about just that magical combination. You know, it's like when you, when you hear something and you know, it works and it clicks or you get that, you know, kind of like unprompted laugh, especially if you're trying to write something that you feel should be humorous. Um, it absolutely plays a part into that because it, again, at the end of the day and why I'm so kind of like obsessed with it is because it, it is about relatability. It's about kind of finding, I mentioned it earlier, that universal truth, something that we can kind of like, we can all connect with and be like, either like that's funny or like that's true. Or I hadn't thought of it about that way, but you know what? You're right. So yeah, it definitely factors in. It definitely factors into that. It's all about just making a connection with words. It's such a, such a powerful tool. But I think you guys are pretty well positioned in what I think is the agency of the future, right? I think more and more brands, I was on a call today for a prospective uh, new client and they had like three or four different agencies. And I got to imagine that, you know, especially given everything that's, that's happened here in the last few months, that there's going to be a, a consolidation. I think an agency that can do more um, effectively, efficiently is going to, is going to fare well going into this next, um, into this next era, I think. So I think you guys are well positioned for that. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that, uh, and I, I know I just led you, <laughs> led you a little bit with what I just said, but do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think there's still a case for, should there be a, a trans creation agency and a general market agency and a social agency? Or, or do you like this approach of maybe combining some things? You know, I, it, it, it maybe it's a hybrid kind of, of all of that. And um, I'll, u- I'll use El Paso as like a perfect test case for that. The skill skill set and the talent pool that is here now is so is so strong. So I would almost even propose like a <laughs> a, a different approach, right? I mean, I think we're, we're we're really strong at what we do. We bill ourselves as full service, so we we feel like we can handle the whole ball of wax. But you know, I, we work with some really interesting, or our contemporaries are some really interesting, you know boutique branding agencies, right? Or we have some teams who are just like really nimble when it comes to kind of like digital strategies and kind of taking that approach. So what I propose is, you know, my kind of like pie in the sky idea would be like, if we take somebody who's so good at what we do and we find natural collaboration points with, you know, this branding boutique, you know, other other teams in our own city, I feel that if we were to combine forces, there's an easy way for us to be able to come knocking at the door of a major brand and use El Paso as that base of operations and become, you know, you know, you know, big agency X, you know, and on the call, you know, I told you, could we be the Saatchi of Texas? Can we be the Wyden Kennedy of Texas? Can we yeah. combine forces? And then imagine if it's almost kind of like a, a whole city coming together like Voltron to tell the story of your brand, to humanize your brand, to bring these like high level creative concepts to life that have some kind of a, that have a, a cultural acuity too. I mean, I'd, I'd love for that to, to, to be some kind of a potential reality. Yeah. So it's almost like, um, I love that. But so you're saying that each of the agencies would re- retain their own identity and culture, but you're almost working like a collective kind of. Yeah. Like, I think that's a good way to put it, a creative collective. You know, I'm a huge fan of just like reaching across the aisle. You know what I mean? I have this kind of like perspective that I, this mantra that I tell myself that there's like kind of two sides to every story. Right. And they're best told from the middle. So I see the value in these teams. We may be competitors in some arenas, but we're, we're, we're all contemporaries and 
I just, I see the strength of what they're doing and the strength of what we're doing. And yeah, if, if there was some kind of a creative collective, if we're, you know, Warhol's factory, but you know, for advertising, what, what, what could that, what could that lead to? You know, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of collaboration and, uh, I feel like uh, there's so much untapped potential. It's just um, our proximity to this or that is, is a lot farther. And I and I wonder if, you know, there's a there's obviously a potential that we could be overlooked. But if I can make a noise loud enough that it couldn't be ignored. Absolutely. I, I think that's a cool model. I think where it get could get a little bit tricky, although I think there's a solution for it, is just, you know, the ownership part of it or who's, yeah, who's for sure. Dating. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, it, it's tricky when you're working with other agencies. And I'm of the mindset of you just have to sort of decide who's the lead. And, yeah. and sometimes you're going to be the leader and sometimes you're going to be a, a follower and you're going to be a support system. You know, so if, if the traditional agency is leading on the messaging and we're coming into support on the experiential side, that's fine. Let, you know, we'll, we'll fall into place. We'll, we'll obviously want to share our expertise and want to be, have a seat at the table, but at some point somebody has got to lead. Yeah. Um, and then conversely, it could be that we're leading the way with an experiential concept and we need some media support as long as there's an understanding that, you know, we're the lead and then, you know, we need your expertise and your help and we're going to take sure. everything that you say into consideration. But for Somebody sure. The day has to say yes or no. So that's where it gets a little bit messy. But the way that you described it, it's a neat concept, right? It's like this this collective of really cool individual agencies coming together to, you know, service a client as one unit. I think that's kind of cool. I think you should. Yeah, I, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it totally getting messy. And that's why I say kind of just like it, it feels kind of pie in the sky. And it feels, it, you know, I hope it doesn't sound naive, but I just feel like, um, there's, uh, you know, so many, so many talents. And I guess just really that's the, that's the perspective I'm coming from. There's so much talent in the city. You know, I've seen so many people go and come back with excellent accolades. And now there's this vibe and this energy that's like, how can I take what I did in this city or that city and make it happen here? And I, I think that there's an undercurrent of that. And, I, and that's kind of like where this idea comes from, you know, like it starts, starts with one step, you know, and maybe it's just that, uh, it's just that, you know, throwing that crazy idea out there and seeing what sticks. But, you know, who knows? That's no, I don't an, think optimist. I'm an optimist. <laughs> yeah, I think in our business, honestly, man, you have to, whether you call it, you know, being naive or being optimistic or you have to, because I think this, this business will wear you down a little bit if you don't remain open oh, yeah. to this idea. You become oh, yeah. a very... Uh, you can become very cynical and then you become you're sort of on autopilot. And it's happened to me throughout the years. Right. Right now, currently, I'm a, I'm in this place where I'm feeling like I'm on a really cool, creative, just reawakening. Uh, I feel like I, yes. I'm, I'm on the verge of doing some cool, probably the best work of my life, I hope, uh, with some That's new great. opportunities that are coming up. So but if you don't do that, if you don't kind of take that that posture of like, you know, wide eyed kid, you'll get cynical and everything becomes autopilot and you, and you sort of, you know, give up. So yeah, that's, that's, I like your, I like your thinking. I think that's, that could potentially work. Uh, if you weren't a creative director, what do you think that you would be doing right now? Honestly, I got a tiny little taste of it. We, uh, just, just for a lark, uh, myself and my, uh, my director of photography for my studio, you know, we're all in-house full service, got our own studio, creative shop, you know, 
we uh, we took part in our city's 48 hour film festival, you know, like a year before last. Just helming that, directing that, we did it kind of mockumentary style. So we winged the entire thing. You know, you get your prompt the evening before and we shot during the whole next day. We just, we winged the whole thing, just like coming up with just funny little dialogue, fun little lines, just all sorts of wacky stuff. I think if I weren't doing this, I probably would continue to have pursued uh, being a director. I you know, I have like a hundred half finished treatments, <laughs> yeah. different film ideas. So I think, you know, just a, an indie director, you know, there's so many really cool production companies that are just taking risks on some really cool, some of my favorite films. So I think if I weren't a creative director, that's, that would, that would be my dream job, you know, just writing creative, just staying creative, <laughs> directing. But definitely still in the, in the creative field. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Who have, been, who have been some of your mentors coming up and, and <laughs> share a, share sort of a, a great piece of wisdom that they've, that you've learned from them or that they've shared with you. I have to say with a hundred percent credit, uh, Nancy Laster, uh, for sure took a chance on an unknown kid, hired me as an intern. And here I am, you know, 15 years later, um, you know, VP creative services, and she just let me kind of grow into my own, man. She always saw my potential. She provided enough guidance, but also enough freedom to let me become the, the person I am today in, in my role and just in my personality and just, you know, how I, how I approach the team. Like, so all credit to her. Uh, but, but really, um, probably one of the people that I, I learned the, the most from, and it was a stern upbringing, was my, uh, my senior producer when I actually started in the, in the production side, like I mentioned, I started as a, as a writer and then I became an associate producer, but my, my producer was hardcore, man. He was, a you know, it, he and I were the writing team. And I just remember something he said to me one day, because I was, I was kind of down about some concepts that I had, I had worked up that just, they, they, they weren't working or they weren't clicking for whatever reason. And you know, I'm, I'm walking out the back door of the agency and I'm like, Hey dude, do you have any advice? And he says to me, and it just rings so loud in my head. He's like, well, you can't teach creativity, Mike. Oh man, that was such a gunshot. But, but I knew really what he was. I really knew what he was digging at. He was, he, he, he saw how to motivate me and he knew exactly how to motivate me. Anytime anybody says, well, maybe you can't do this or they put a challenge in front of me. And, and, and you know, maybe you're like that too, dude. I was just like a hundred percent invested. And I was like, okay. Then he tapped into that. Let me prove you wrong. And, right. and just dig in and, and try harder. And maybe I was, maybe I was phoning it in or I was, I, you know, I was, I was getting frustrated. So I kind of just gave up on it, but just that stuck with me. And I was like, you oh, know, shit, you're right. And I just <laughs> came back the next day, dude. And I never, I never looked back. So that was some tough love, but I, uh, I really, I, I really do value that, you know, a, a couple of other challenges he gave me too. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but that was the one that, that really stuck out to me, man. That, that really stuck out to me. So you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit more gentle probably with people nowadays, but uh, <laughs> I appreciated that kick in the butt. I I'll be honest. Yeah. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you just need to be honest with somebody, you know, and, and, and you do, I mean, some of those, some of those lessons, I know I've had those same kind of lessons too, where it's a little bit of a little tough love, you know, at the right mm -hmm. moment, at the right set in the right way, mm -hmm. um, can really go a, a long way. Piggybacking on what you said about Nancy again, just gushing a little bit. She she also gave me my my first chance. I think I was telling you the story. I walked in with a music video that I had shot as a college project as my only as my only proof that I could do anything. 
and and she took took a chance on me and you know and here here I am you know all these years later as well and I used to love like anytime I would do a radio spot or a TV spot I used to love coming back to the agency to show it to Nancy because yeah it was just, it was just she always you know gave me good feedback and when she liked it it was always like a really special moment so. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's awesome. For sure, she's for awesome. sure. She's a she's certainly a champion of her team. I I will say that. Yeah, always and forever. <laughs> um. So okay. So we've come to that moment where we we have to pay off the uh, the title of the show, uh, "Confessions of a Creative <laughs> Director." So right here on the record, Mike Matthews, Creative Director Extraordinaire. What is your confession? Oh man, I thought long and hard about this one. I've got some. I feel like I've got some crazy stories, but I might incriminate myself for those. So I just, I felt like this would be a good time to just be really like brutally honest, especially since I've had so much time kind of just like by myself in my own thoughts, you know, here working from home. My, my confession is, um, sometimes I still get the fear. I get the fear. And what I mean by that is, uh, I get the fear that like this thing that I'm working on or this project that I'm trying to do, like, uh, it doesn't cut the mustard, you know, it's, it's not, good. it's not, it's not good enough. I'm the, I'm the creative director. I should have, I should have all the answers. I should know how to, how to make it happen. But then like when I stand on the, not to be dramatic, but when I stand on the precipice and I look that fear in the face, then it's just kind of like, let's just go for it, man. You can't, you can't be in your own head about these kind of things. And I think that the fear is good and it motivates me and it, and it keeps me sharp. Uh, but yeah, man, I, st- I still get the fear. Like, am I a hack? Are they going to realize that I'm no good at what I do? Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's important to have that. Don't let it consume you, but I think it's, it's important to have that because it, it, it challenges you. And obviously by, based on my other anecdotes, I need a kick in the ass sometimes. So <laughs> that is, um, probably a confession that many of us share is that fear, right? And they call it imposter syndrome. They have all yeah. kinds of names for it. And really what it is, it's, it's, you've nailed it the nail on, on the head it, it is fear it's you know what they call the lizard brain trying mm-hmm. to trying to keep you in a safe space like don't try that that's too much for you don't put yourself out there you're gonna get hurt you know that's that's mm-hmm. that part of your brain that's trying to protect you but if you look at it in the in the eyes and just say fuck it i'm gonna do it and you get it out there and the worst that ca- can happen is that somebody doesn't like it or somebody criticizes you and it's like well you try doing it. You try coming up with, uh, <laughs> right. It's like, I had an old creative director who was one of my mentors who would, whenever somebody came in kind of late in the game and, and would start adding their two cents, he would say, where were you when the page was blank? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where were you then? So it's a hard job. And um, sometimes you just have to, you just have to do it. You just have to look fear in the eye and just say, we're doing it. And it's, we're not curing cancer here. We're yeah. not uh, curing COVID. I guess you could use yeah. that as a more timely analogy. We're trying to sell products and that is important. But at the end of the day, it's not like we're saving lives or anything. Um, and so you put it out there and it could be a huge hit or it could be a flop, but yeah. you got to do it. You got to do it. For sure. Um, all right, man. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Again, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of you and, and the agency and I wish you... Uh, continued success. Keep doing all the stuff that you're doing so that I can continue to steal from it and get ideas <laughs> and and tell my team like, look at what they're doing. We get it. We got to be more active here. We got to do this. We got to do the spec work. We've been talking about that that spec work, and I use you guys in, as an example all the time. So, um, congratulations to you on that. And um, 
and let's keep in touch. Let's keep uh, talking. And um, thanks again for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the consideration. And uh, I'm a big, a big fan of the podcast, man. Keep it going. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. That's a wrap on episode number six of Confessions of a Creative Director. Special thanks to my guest, Mike Matthews, Creative Director at Culture Span in El Paso. Wasn't he cool? Such great passion, and you can tell that he's just a great leader and a great creative director. So I'm so glad that, uh, that he participated on the show. So thanks again, Mike. Hope you're listening. Our theme music. Make the logo bigger. Composed by an unknown band from somewhere on this great big planet. I still don't have any idea who they are. This is a thing. This is a bit now. So uh, if anybody knows, shoot me an email. And you're listening to, uh, I think this is song number 11 from my song club. It's called Secret Garden. About a boy discovering the magic of books. Thanks for listening to Confessions of a Creative Director. For show notes and other information about me and the guest, check out cdconfessions.com. Remember to subscribe. We're now on Apple Podcasts, so subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll be back with more. Take care. Wear the masks. Wear the masks. Stay safe. Be healthy. Peace. We're out. <laughs>